Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the roll of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I am Graham. Wait, no, I'm Cody, and also Graham is here. My son's on the recording with us today. Yeah. So if you hear random baby noises, yeah, it's it's my son, Graham. <laughs> For the very first time ever, we have Cody's baby with us. And welcome to the world, Graham. Yeah, he's uh, he's made a world for this week. It mostly consists of crying and cooing noises. Um, and Okay, well, I'll milk. definitely pause and listen to it. Nah, you, you guys did a good job. He's pretty cute. I mean, I think it was mostly my and wife. I didn't do all that much. I mean, no, you, I've tried to be nice, but no, you didn't do crap. No, like, let me tell you. So Mandy was in labor for 36 hours, which is a very long time. Oh my! To be in labor and then Jeez. have a C-section. So yeah, Mandy. Mandy's kind of like the the hero of this story. I sat in a hospital room watching Twilight. Uh, I watched. So did the induction just not work? Yeah, basically it just like it did kind of, but she just did not progress very quickly because like he was three weeks early, which is not crazy early, but was early enough that her body was like not having having a baby. So okay, we had to have a C-section. Which, honestly, hey, like... there's nothing wrong with C-section No, chicks, like, and Rock at on. the time, like, they... There's, like, horror stories about, like, hospitals pushing C-sections on people. That is the opposite of what happened. Like, at 36 oh, hours, yeah. they were like, well, you might start having better contractions now. And we were like, so, is a C-section an option? <laughs> like... It's like, can we, like, hurry this up? Because, like, Mandy couldn't leave her bed, so she's just, like, sitting there for, like, a day and a half and couldn't eat anything. So yeah, just a day and a half just in the sheer amount of pain and just hungry. No, she was uh she had an epidural for a day and a half. Oh, so she was so she was high watching HGTV. And just sitting there. Yeah. Oh, there's Graham. He's saying hi. Oh, hi, Graham. But yeah, um, so how have the last few weeks been? Pretty with good. New baby and everything. Honestly, um, like I took two weeks of vacation. I wish I had taken more, or that I could take more. I have another week of vacation yeah. I could have taken, but I'm saving it for the holidays. But I wish I was yeah, yeah, at home yeah. more. Like, I don't like going to work because I just want to hang out with Yeah, no, I, I, I get that, man. So so you're back at work now? Yeah, I'm back at work. This is my first week back. Um, and it is unfortunate, which, like, my job's not bad or nothing. It's just, you know, I'd rather be You'd at rather home. You'd rather be at home with your kid. Yep. That's okay. He's not going to know I exist anymore, you know. I'm just dead to him now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, that's it's kind of sad that like you can't be at home more, but yeah, you know, it work, happens. Make, make the money, pay the bills, you know. Right. Yeah, but um, so in the meantime, as you had your kid, like, did you have time to watch, read, or oh, <laughs> listen Jordan, to anything? You don't understand. All I have time to do now is watch things. Me and Mandy have <laughs> what watched watch? like five episodes, five seasons of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which. Oh, man, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is so good. It is extremely good. Like, we have Hulu through a friend, and they have all of it. And Mandy was like, well, once we get home, we should just start watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so the first week we got home, since Mandy had a C-section, she couldn't walk up and down the stairs. So we just lived in our living room. And (laughs) all we did, I mean, it was like on 24-7. And we would, would like, fall asleep and then have to go back and rewatch episodes because, like... We would, like, after a night, we would have to go back through and, like, reevaluate, like, okay, what episodes did you sleep through? What episodes did I sleep through? Let's go and rewatch all of those. 
So that's all you did was watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, and I played a lot of Skyrim. That's fantastic. I mean, I played a lot of Skyrim. Oh, jeez. You people in your Skyrim. I know. It's really not a good game, honestly. But uh, Graham likes it, so it's fine. I I actually going to be the first to say I have never played Skyrim. Really? You know, I'm I'm not mad about that because there are better games now. And I think people have let Skyrim go on longer than they should have. Like, I don't understand why that's like a VR shipping title anymore. It's like not good enough. It's not. The The thing is, it's been going on for the last, what, eight years? Yeah, I was going to say, it's like almost 10 years old. And when you play it, it's like, oh, yeah, this game's almost 10 years old. Breath of the Wild is better. And it's not that it was a bad game. It's just like it has, well, like, um, what's it called? Horizon Zero Dawn is better. Witcher 3 is better. All of these games are better. Yes. And they have better graphics. Yeah. Like, and okay, this one kills me. All right, I, I have a small, like, complaint. Um, so, Skyrim is a game that desperately needed to have climbing in the game, which for some reason they don't have. But you know what does have it? The first freaking Elder Scrolls game ever, climbing was a part of the game. (laughs) You could climb up walls and stuff. And you could climb anything. Like, anything in the game, you had a skill called climb, you could climb it as long as your skill was good enough. And I'm like, why did they remove this and then make a climbing game and not put climbing in it? It's ridiculous, is my point. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't really like about Horizon, is that... There are areas where you can climb and stuff, but then there's other areas where you are supposed to climb past, but you're just jumping a bunch until you get to the point you need to be. Yeah, yeah. And that's like that's basically <laughs> what Skyrim did, is there's there's really not climbing in Skyrim. I don't think there's ladders at all. But like the mountains and stuff where you clearly need to be able to climb. You just you just have to awkwardly yeah. jump your way up them and it's super Yeah, you you can't climb mountains and stuff at Horizon, but like, there are areas, like, in the Assassin's Creed where you can climb up buildings or there's, like, hand um, holds and stuff on yeah. sides of cliffs. But, yeah, not not too much climbing. So, you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine and played a heck of a lot of Skyrim. Yes, that is that is what I've spent a lot of time on. I mean, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, so, I have actually done a lot of watching and reading stuff in the last few weeks. So, um, we finally watched the movie Annihilation, which I recommend to the fullest for you. Oh, really? Okay. It's the sci-fi horror movie. It's yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Goes way off where the book went, but it's still pretty fantastic. And Did you read the book? There were a, Yeah, I read the book. And I'm okay. actually going to be finishing the series soon. So, Oh, is it a series? Which is another thing I book? read. Yeah, it's three books. It's Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. I am right now on Authority. But yeah, so um, the movie was great. There was actually like a couple of moments where they weren't scary to me per se, but they were truly unsettling. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of building that like horror suspense and that horror just super unsettling moments. It's like, uh, but yeah, no, I would recommend it to the fullest to you. I think you would really like it. Um, I just today finished watching Agretsuko on Netflix the cute anime with the screamo panda which was it's fantastic and perfect and i honestly i'm so sad that it's 10 15 minute episodes because it definitely needs to be a lot longer than 10, i 15 minute i episodes. tried to watch it and i don't know it, like the first episode just like did not click with me so i quit pretty early and i'm wondering if oh, maybe i should have given it more of a chance because i mean i'm going through like 
rough patches at work and just seeing this show kind of like resonates with me and i'm really oh yeah really good joy it, it's it's also extremely funny but yeah it's like, i usually don't like talking animals or anthropomorphized animals but like this was really fun really funny and it's really sad that it's only 10 15 minute episodes there's a lot of netflix stuff that's like that where it's like oh man i really wish this was longer looking at yeah, you but- castlevania yeah, and I oh Castlevania is coming back in October. Yeah, I know. Ching, 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 ching. I'm, I'm excited because so I really liked it. It was really see, but the thing is now Netflix has so many originals, and some of the originals aren't originally Netflix, and so it's like what which ones are actually going to get rebooted and keep going, and which ones are we never going to see ever again? Yeah, and it's like there's now also a lot what, of like, really watching, terrible Netflix originals. Yes, and now with watching some stuff, it's like I'm afraid if. I watch it and get really into it. I'm never going to see it again. And so I just got to be aware of what I'm watching and how good, quote unquote, it might be. But um, the other thing that I started was um, the third season of Fully Coley just started um, three weeks ago. So I've been watching that. Oh, they were doing like two seasons pretty close together. Yeah, they were doing this year two seasons in a row. And so, yeah, it's like it's a new story, new characters other than like the main character from the the pink hair girl from the first season is the only yeah. thing so far that's so she's the through. through line yeah she's the through line with all of it um this time it's following it's more it's way more slice of life than it was before and it's following um a bunch of high schoolers in their senior year rather than like a middle school kid i would say the first one is pretty slice of lifey yeah th- this one is a lot more slice of life you get like very little like of the high weirdness it's like usually towards the end of the episodes, and but yeah, no, it's I actually like this a lot more than the second season that they tried to do, so like oh, it really? kind of resonates a little bit more. But yeah, no, so far it's going good. I've kind of into it. The last episode was a little slow, but you know, there's three more in the season. And they, well, it's slice of life. That's kind of, really of like up. par yeah. for the course, right? For it to be a little slow. Yeah, some some days are a little bit more boring than other days. <laughs> And yeah, no, so I really like it. Fully Coley, um, Egg Retsuko. And the last thing, yeah, this is all me talking about all the things I've done in your absence. The last That's thing fine. I did was um, the Spider-Man 2018 game for PlayStation is amazing. And I've actually everyone... seen uh, a little bit of it. The movement in the game looks incredible. It does a really good job of making you feel like Spider-Man. Yeah, like, I it looks pretty I feel like neat. Spider-Man. You can, like... Zip through city, sky dot. You can do so much in it, and it just feels like it runs like the comic books do. And it's like what I've always wanted in a Spider-Man game. Did you ever play Spider-Man 2? It was on, like, the GameCube, PlayStation 2 era? Yeah, it was Spider-Man 2, which was based on the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it's a similar game. game. I loved that game. What? It was awful. What? And it I was also an have Spider-Man game, Jordan. You take that back. I, I also have game. the... Like 2002 Spider-Man game for Sega Dreamcast, which I have for PC now, and will eventually play it. That game's terrible. This game, this game was terrible. Yeah, the one where it's like, oh, the smoke has risen in the city. You can't fall below the like the mist line or whatever, or you yeah, die. Yeah, I, I played it with my because they didn't want to yeah. render a city. Yeah, I mean, no, you it, at least yeah, got to it, swing around in that game, which was pretty cool. Like at the time, yeah. I remember kind of thinking it was neat. But the combat's basically press A, you know, just like click, 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 click. Press click, A click, until the dead. guy's dead, and then... Yeah. But, I mean, so this new Spider-Man game, first is amazing. It is It does 
better with Spider-Man than any of the movies have ever even attempted to do. Like, you're not just getting one villain who's being really crappy through the whole thing, but, like, they, there's a bunch of villains in it, um, and it feels more like a comic book. Homecoming? I thought we talked about this. I didn't like Homecoming that much. What? Everybody gets mad at me for saying this. I didn't like Homecoming because it was definitely Tony Stark's Spider-Man rather than Peter Parker being his own person. It was everything that happened was because of Tony Stark except for the very ending. I remember us talking about that. I understand what you mean by that. Yeah, and Spider-Man's supposed to be smart. you being a Spider-Man fanboy, yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man's supposed to be smart and basically a self-starter. Everything done in that movie was because of Tony Stark. He doesn't really do anything... Like, he's not smart. He doesn't create his own stuff. His suit isn't created by him. The technology isn't created by him. He has no input on anything. Did he make his web shooters in Homecoming? Or did Tony Stark make make those? He made his web shooters, but everything else that he used, like the specialized, like the web bombs and things that he was using that he made in the comics, in the games, and everything else were made by Tony Stark. The suit, the drones, all of it, the lenses, all of it was Tony Stark. And I freaking hated that. It was was Tony Stark Spider-Man. It was Iron Man five. Sorry, Iron Man four. He gets an apprentice. That's what yeah. Spider Man Homecoming was, and that's I why can I can understand like what it. you mean by that. Because like in the game, like all the stuff that like he makes, like he's like, oh hey, it's like this technology. I can reverse engineer it and make it a weapon for myself. And so right. this is like the best Spider Man, and it explores more of his villains. Like the main villain, I'm not that far in. Well, I'm about fifty percent through it, which like completionist style, but. The main villain so far is um, Mr. Negative, which has never been done in any of the Spider-Man movies or things, which is cool to actually see them do one of the quote-unquote lesser-known villains. Who's Mr. Negative? I don't I don't know that one, obviously. I guess, you know, that's Mar- what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, lesser-known. Yeah, Martin Lee, he's this guy whose power is being negative, basically, and he, like, he corrupts people and, like, kind of turns them bad. Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting Spider-Man villain. Yeah, he's a crime lord, and like in this thing, he wants like revenge on Norman Osborn for some reason. We don't know yet, but it's oh, it's you. really cool to see the villain, like kind of see the villain turn. Also, a really cool part of it is that Doctor Oct, well, Doctor Otto Octavius is in it, but he's not Doctor Octopus yet. And I'm thinking at some point in this game, he's going to make that turn, which is well, really yeah. exciting because like this whole time, like he's really nice. Everything he's he's doing everything for the good of like. His project, instead of like in Spider-Man 2, which was um, fusion and bullcrap like that. Yeah. His project is prosthetics and he's trying to make prosthetics so people from work can like still live a normal life rather than having like a bulky prosthetic. It can actually move and feel. So that's his project that they're working on. And so Dr. Octopus currently is a really good guy. And I'm just waiting for the turn to see like what happens that's going to turn him evil. So it's, it's, they're doing the game. I didn't like it when I first started playing it because it felt like your typical Spider-Man game. And to make it difficult, they just throw like a hundred guys at you with machine guns. But now that like you have more skills and you have like more web powers, it's a little bit easier of gameplay and the story is just amazing. And this is the Spider-Man that I'm pretty sure I've always wanted. So Yeah. I mean, it yeah, definitely it's... looked really good when I was watching someone playing it. It's it's really so far it's really good, but yeah, I will stop talking about my stuff so we can get onto the actual soap so you can stop having to quiet your poor little baby. Oh no, he's fine. I mean, this is what babies do—they fuss. Okay, so last week 
which um, depending on how the episodes go up, last week would have been probably the episode with Sabrina where we ended up doing sentient non-human objects. And this week we're actually doing a throwback to what we rolled before Cody's wife, because Cody did nothing. Cody's wife had her baby, so we're doing horror worlds today. Yeah, we are. I, once again, went way too convoluted because that's what I'm good at. Being I, I kind of did the opposite. Because to me, a oh. horror world doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, a whole on. world of horror. Okay, okay, this is the last time you're going to make fun of one of my ideas. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because every time you're like, oh, well, this world doesn't make sense. Or, oh, it doesn't make sense to have, like, sentient robots that feel motions. Like, you know what? I'm done with you. Look, I'm not trying to harsh your world. I'm just saying that mine is better by necessity. Um, I tied this world into one that I did previously, so I think by by default, mine is better. Multiverses don't make things better. They make things worse. It's not a multiverse. It's just set in the... Well, I have a twist ending, and I like what I did with this world. I okay. specifically... Like, I was like... I could do this horror world the way I want, or I can be convoluted and have it connect to another world. Let's be convoluted and have it connect to another world. Right. <laughs> also, I feel like I should apologize for all the baby noises. So to everyone listening, uh, I'm sorry there's some baby noises. My wife wanted to shower today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm leaving all the baby noises in. They're, They're pretty cute. Cut. I'm not going to cut cute. one noise. He's cute. And I like it because you're not going to be lip smacking directly into the bike. Hey, why don't you shut up? He's going to be lip-smacking into the mic. No, yeah, because he's your son, and that's the worst part about it. All right, Jordan, so let's you want to go ahead of, I was going to say, you want to roll initiative? If I can reach my dice. Oh, crap. I just Arr. dropped my die. Give me... I could just tell okay. you I'm going first. Which one, What did you roll? I rolled a 19. I rolled a 20? What? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yellow card, re-roll. You're lying. No, dude, I don't lie about this, man. I was, I like how excited. Like, like, oh, I'm going first. I rolled a 19. It's like, no, you're not, dude. Well, no, you're not. I wanted to okay. go first, but that's okay. All right, wow me, Jordan. I'm here to be wowed. Grant, okay, you ready to so... be his harshest critic? Yes. <laughs> oh wait, Jordan. From now on, I figured out how I'm gonna do this to lessen my criticisms and to make them a little bit like easier to swallow. I'm going to only speak for Graham. <laughs> uh, you're the so, worst person ever. Uh, so it's not okay, that so I am doing this. your worlds. It's Graham does. So we're doing this the same format with um, going back and forth. But I don't necessarily do geography for... Like, okay, mine's good, a little bit I more mixed either. up. I didn't even kind of okay. do that. So that's good. Mine's a little bit more mixed up. And I definitely do my story before society history and my society current comes first out of all three of those. So it's a, it's a little That's mixed fine. up, but we're, we're still splitting. Anyways, we're going to start with the setup. Um, this comes from Travis Ashton. I grew up in this small town that is mundane and slow, but peaceful. It is a community where everyone knows everyone and is controlled by a small government who cares deeply about its people. There is the occasional rivalry between shops, but that's as harsh as things ever get. People work hard in the farms to keep food on the tables and hard everywhere else to create trinkets for trade. The church is a central part of our community. Everyone is in church on Sundays. Those who don't go to church are dealt with by the government because those in charge believe that religion should be the center of our lives. 
Surrounding our town is a thinning forest with a small path that leads to the wide open. Unfortunately, we are not allowed to leave the town. In fact, that is used as punishment for those who break the law and those the government deems as potential risk for danger. They have given all sorts of excuses for us not leaving, including the forest is filled with wild animals and thus too dangerous. There is not much to explore on the outside, or even everything we will ever need is in this town. No matter what, we are not to leave. Not to cross the border. If we ever hey, do hey, cross Jordan. the what? Jordan, Graham wants what? me to ask if you're M. Night Shyamalan making the village. I that was kind not of me. An... That's not me. That's Shut Graham up, asking. Graham hey, the baby first wants of all, to know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're going for, you idiot. Hey, 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 shut up. I, I, it's a very village vibe at first, but get, give me a bit, man. And don't interrupt me in the middle of a sentence. Well, how else am I supposed to interrupt you, Jordan? You talk continuously, and you got mad when I raised my hand. So how do you want me to interrupt you, all right? Not at all. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. I'm, you know, we, we can no, just record I'm, I'm this podcast you can... separately. No. Okay. Just interrupt when you can, Cody. If we ever I'm do cross interrupt the border, when I have questions. If we ever do cross the border, we will not be allowed back in. I have never broken the rules, nor did I even think about it. It is easier to follow the rules and live this life that was given to us. So, quick recap, and then I'll go into part two. So, this is a small town. It's pretty much like your Valpo-sized town, but personality and technology-wise, it is closer to the 1950s. Um, there is technology, but mostly everything is manual. So, they have simple tech. For example, they would have like a record player, but there are no cars because everything is within walking distance. But they do have bikes. So, like I said, it's closer to your style of downtown Valpo, which n not many people are going to get my reference to that. But so there are a lot of mom and pop shops. Closer to the edge of this town is the farmlands that provide the food. So, everyone in the town is pretty small. So, everyone in the town, they know each other. So, stylistically, this would probably be closer to like an Andy Griffith Mayberry world. Hopefully someone gets that reference instead. Yeah, the show that's like 80 years old now or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I really wanted to go for that feel of like, you know, old town, like 1950s. Everybody knows each other. You get the town drunk, but like, it's, it's that kind you of You get the town setting. drunk, yeah. <laughs> the, the main thing that small towns have, drunks. <laughs> well, you had the town racist, so I don't even want to hear it, dude. Well, okay, look, not everyone knows about the town racist in Valpo, but... <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is the part two of my setup, which is technically geography. So, um, <clears throat> it started small at first, but things have begun to change for me. At church, the, so the songs they had us sing began to sound less like music and more like chants. The generally vibrant colors of our buildings and community began to fade to dull grayish shades of their former selves. The food I ate began to lose its taste and eventually taste like dirt and ash. Things slowly became worse. Finally, the bright blue sky turned gray. I became fearful, especially since no one else seemed to see things the way I did. I hid the changes of the world from those around me, fearing they would throw me out into the wilds to fend for myself. Even Graham is interrupting me. That's how bad it gets. He's Your family hates me. Oh, I'm so sorry, baby Graham. He finds derivative stories sickening. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> wow, I hate you. They give him I the snuck hiccups. Out, I <laughs> snuck out past curfew one night to see if anything in the night had changed as well. 
It was much darker than usual, and the night was deadly silent. I walked around the edge of town, and that was when I saw it. By the path near the entrance was a creature. The creature looked human, but it had gangly limbs and long, sharp fingers and toes. Its hair was long and matted. Sorry, its hair was long and matted black, the kind that tangled and twisted from roots to end. It was covered in dirt and what I assumed was blood. It had spotted me, tracing me with its pale, dead eyes. Fear struck me, but I stood very still. It was too dark to tell, but I believed that it had smiled at me, a smile filled with jagged, knife-like teeth. I stumbled back and fell over, and by the time I could look up, it was gone. I ran back into my house and hid, not wanting to relive what I had just experienced. Cody is the most distracting person in the world, patting his baby and all the hiccup things going in the background. That is the true horror of the story. Anyways, I told no one of this incident. I swallowed my fear and continued the normal life day by day. Now you're just patting your baby just to spite me. But curiosity got the better of me. So I traveled out late at night again to see if I was crazy or if there really was something out there. That's when I saw her, on the forest edge, the woman in white. She was dressed head to toe in white flowing clothes, and her pale alabaster skin looked as if it was glowing. She came out of the forest to greet me and told me this. The world that you have lived in all of your life is not the real world. What you see now is what truly exists. When your people know that you can see what is truly there, they will throw you out as they have done so many times before. Take your life into your own hands. Take the courageous step and leave on your own accord. It is for your own good. If they remove you, you will be filled with fear, and fear leads to death. You saw it, the creatures of the dark. They live on your fear. Show them you are not afraid. I will be waiting for you out here, out in the shadows. With that, she returned to the forest without a trace. I didn't believe a word she said. This darkness couldn't be the real world. I had to be sick in the head. I had read that long ago, diseases that caused hallucinations such as this existed. I needed to tell the doctors. I needed help. But there was no way I was going to leave the town, creature or not. And that is my technically geography. Alright, mine does not start with anything like remotely talking about. There, there's kind of a geography section, but I'm not doing it first. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, I did the town and then it's like, nothing else. Alright, alright, you ready? Yep, yep. Alright, the rain makes this job a nightmare, but the villains I'm hunting make it hell. I creep up the hill towards the manor house, my climb silenced by the rain and the crashing of waves. I wait for a thunderstrike before I smash a window with a rock. I creep through away from the cats and dogs. The house is a mausoleum more than a living space. I follow aisles of... I follow this. I can read my own hey, writing. Really quick, Cody. This reminds me a lot of your um heaven, hell, demon, and angel world, where you know you were having investigators go down to the underworld. That's that's pretty derivative. You freaking jerk. Hey, hang on a second. All right, hang on. It is, but I only have two things to write, and that's noir <laughs> and uh, Cthulhu. Anyways, <laughs> noir. Uh... <laughs> I follow the sounds of chanting in the unknown, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I can read my own writing. I follow the sounds of chanting in unknown tongues to the basement. I creep through rooms of the occult and down into a basement. I pass enough bloodstains and evidence to put 
to build a case against anyone I find in this house. I see my perps, standing in red robes around an altar. The hooded man in the center stands over a bloody mass on the altar with a jagged knife in his hand. I draw my colt and step into the circle. APD, you're all under arrest. Drop the knife, bub. So this At guy's last, ring. the final guest has arrived. Everyone, welcome the unwanted. Now we may begin. The floor crashes out from underneath of me, and I fall through what feels like drowning. I wake up in a city, a city I can barely describe. All right, so that's the narration that played in the first episode of The City of Ancient Horrors, the radio drama. Oh, nice. Really quick, I love how I knew exactly where that was going as soon as he walked into the room full of people. It's like, oh yeah, it's like he's the last one and boom, magic. Really? Did you expect that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was being all clever. No, you're not. <laughs> Continue. That's something I would have written. My baby's hiccuping so hard he's getting sleepy. <laughs> Oh, that's adorable, yet weird as heck. All right, it's all on you, buddy. Wait, you're done? Yeah, that was it. Oh. That's one of my sections. Oh, I thought you were going to explain more. Okay, I guess there's not much to explain. It's all on me, buddy. Okay, um, this is my section, which I titled Flora and Fauna? <laughs> <laughs> so this comes from Rebecca, the woman in white. This world is dying. Well, rather it has been dying for centuries, but now it is close to fading into nothing. This world may no longer be able to support those still living on it. Whatever disasters happened in the past caused what what was once called a land of beauty to turn into this gray wasteland. The sky is full of ominous clouds that blot out the once vibrant sunlight. The rivers have almost completely dried up, leaving shallow water strewn with the corpses of aquatic life in their place. The trees have withered away, leaving only rotting, empty vessels. Animals have survived the destruction, but like us, they do everything to survive. Some animals feast on the weak in order to survive. This world, while dying, is not completely empty. There are ruins that exist. This is evidence that civilization strived in the past. We scavenge these dead cities for tools and supplies. Though, there are those who still live in the small communities, locking themselves away from the rest of the world rest of this dying world. We have found places for shelter, but due to other circumstances, we cannot stay to stay for long. Travel is one way we survive out here. I have explored the land with my people for years, and there is one area I will never approach again. The pit. Towards the center of our land is a hole. We do not know where this hole came from, and we do not know where it leads to, but it exists nonetheless. The pit is seemingly bottomless, and from it comes a great pressure, a feeling that pure evil exists at the bottom. The closer that you get to the pit, the stronger that the feeling gets, the louder that the voices of death become, and the closer you get to insanity. We have known those who have tried to explore the area around this pit, but they have never returned. We assume that they were either driven insane or killed by some evil force. We stay away from the pit. Even going close to it damages the mind, Makes one see things that aren't there. The pit is insanity. The pit is evil. Those of us who survive out here scrounge for food, eating what is left of this world to sustain our bodies. May that be dirt. May that be ash. May that even be rotting plants or scavenged flesh from animals long dead. But whatever it is, we will eat it to survive. We disguise the food for the young, the young ones so they do not grow disgusted by what they really eat. 
Disgust only leads to fear, and fear leads to being hunted. I am hunted not, because I fear not. With the fall of this world came the rise of the crazed ones. They look like us, yes. That is to say, they are human in appearance, yet nothing else about them is human. They stand taller than us, their limbs stretching past normal lanes. They let their hair and their nails continuously grow, leaving their hands and feet looking as if they have claws. Their mouths are filled with jagged, razor-sharp teeth, and they can unhinge their jaws like snakes. They do not clothe themselves, yet they cover themselves in dirt and blood. Their eyes are always cloudy gray, leading us to suspect that they are blind, or at the very least, it is hard for them to see. We do not know if they can speak language, as those have, who have gotten close enough to ask have been killed and eaten. Though, despite this, they are highly intelligent. They hunt us using tactics similar to those we use to hunt the other animals. They seem to be able to understand us and our patterns of living, so we have always had to keep on the move as they can easily follow us. Lastly, these creatures hunt us by our fear. If we have fear, they can smell it. They can trace us even if our fears are little. So my people have had to adapt. We had to learn to shut the fear out in order to continue living. If we are afraid, they will find us, no matter how hard we try to hide ourselves. It is a hard choice, but we have to leave those who cannot control their fear behind. Every time I lose another member, it breaks my heart. But there are always more to save. We strive and survive in this cold, dark world. And that's my flora and fauna? <laughs> Alright, so, here's... I, I like your monsters, by the way, and I think I know what world this is crossing over with, but I, I, I'll... We'll find out at the end. Well, guess, and I'll cut it out. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell. I'll tell you at the end before you tell me. I'll tell you what my. Guess I kind is. of want to know what your guess is. Just okay. You'll you'll tell me before the end. I'll tell you before you. I'll tell you before you reveal. All right. What, okay. What my guess was right now. Okay. Right. So, um, my next section is going to be loosely labeled. So, first section was intro. Second section is uh the main cast of characters that would get like introduced at the beginning of every radio drama and um the way they're introduced is excerpts from the case files of uh, detective lance all right yeah kind of <laughs> okay so we have the doctor so the doctor is the evil scientist who is standing in the center of the altar um and the intro he is kind of nebulously evil this, this is the type of guy that's, like, there with all of your main characters, but they none of them really trust him because they know he kind of has nefarious plans. But in, like, the day-to-day -day of, like, living in the city of the ancient horrors, he kind of does help them survive and is the most adept at, like, knowing things about, like, this ancient city because he's the one that brought everybody there. But it's clear that he has, like, his own nefarious plans. Hey, I know Next that you. Up. I know huh. that you have like you know a ton on your plate, but do you want to like make this into an actual radio drama? <laughs> I would because it's actually really. This good. This sounds amazing. Like I would love to listen to. This. We should totally do a radio drama. But anyways, neither okay. here nor um, there. So next up, we have Professor Macab. Professor Macab is um, an old man from the local university. He's kind of like washed up. He used to be a big deal, but in later years, like everyone kind of just wants him to retire. 
Like, he technically teaches one class a year, but no one really respects him anymore. He kind of has, like, mad, bulging eyes, and he has, like, insane hair, you know? He wears, like, dirty old clothes, and he always smells like he's two weeks old, you know? (laughs) Um, But back in his day, he was, like, a renowned archaeologist and explorer. Okay. Um, The thing about him is uh, he's read the Book of Madness, which has driven him insane. Ah. So, like... Most of the time, he's okay, but occasionally he has these, like, fits where he'll, like, lose his mind um, and start, like, doing things not of his own accord because he's read this ancient book. Yeah. Um, Next up, we have Detective Lance, the unwanted guest. Um, He is a police officer with the APD, um, and his speciality, kind of to his, like, like... No one respects him for this, even though he's a good detective, but he focuses on the occult. He knows that several disappearances in his town have been linked to, like, the occult and to crazy people and, like, cultists around his city. Anyways, so, um, he, in the intro, he was tracking down a group of cult members that he was wanting to bust, right? Um, but then they all kind of get sucked into this, uh, pocket dimension together. Next up, we have... Um, Bruce, Bruce is a freshman in college. He's really eager to please and hero worships Professor Macabre. He's kind of like well-meaning and just goes along with whatever, but is kind of ignorant and stupid. So like he was in this occult meeting that got busted by Detective Lance, but that's because he just like this old professor that he hero worships was like, come to this special meeting. And he was like, okay, sir, I'll be glad to be there. That's, that's Bruce. Um, so this is an all male cast. Lady... Oh, never mind. You just no, ruined it for me. Then we have Lady Dunwith. <laughs> um, Lady Dunwith is a, um, the nice way to put it is a collector, but some would call her a smuggler or criminal. Ah, um, so the Carmen Sandiego of a... the show kind of she doesn't so it's her manner that the the meeting was in that was being led by the doctor um but she enjoys and collects the occult and believes that there is power in objects and these rituals and is like well versed in them but she herself is very proper and dignified and does not believe in getting her own her own hands dirty ah yeah so she's fascinated in this stuff but only at a distance okay um up until now, because obviously she's like, was one of the people in the circle that gets sucked into a horrible pocket dimension. <laughs> and last up, we have Margot, um, who is Lady Dunwith's uh, granddaughter. Oh. And Margot is like a traditional heiress in that she's like kind of sheltered and very pampered and wealthy, but as a result, has a very like rigid way that she believes other things anything should treat her so she demands a lot of respect and is very independent so she's the paris hilton of the world yeah yeah kind of except she like doesn't have a sex tape but (laughs) she just more like expects people to listen to her and when they don't is not accepting of it Uh, um so the typical rich anime character uh i guess yeah i mean well whatever i i I think I think it's funny that this is like a very Western thing, and you're like, so like an anime character. Well, no, Jordan. You know what? Probably like an aristocrat, but whatever. <laughs> oh, so like the Aristocats um, from the Disney movie. That's a yes, joke. Just like the Aristocats. <laughs> That's a joke. Keep she's, going. She's ju- it's just like Lady and the Tramp, 
where she's the lady. I love how you took the aristocrats and made it into Lady of the Tramp. You took a completely different... That's because it's about an aristocratic cat. Anyways. And then you went um, to Lady of the Tramp. What the fuck are you, man? (laughs) This is is our main cast. Um, And at the end of, like, the last thing, my little intro, basically what happens is they get sucked through a portal into, like, what I'm loosely calling a pocket dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, And pocket dimension being, like... um, trying to think of good examples of like a pocket dimension in media but you know what i'm talking about yeah right? I know it's like a small yeah. contained like area of itself it doesn't like exist in our world they go someplace else um and it's called the radio show is called the city of ancient horrors most of these people were all in this like cult together um through whatever reason you know like bruce basically was led there by professor macabre lady dunwith was uh, wanting to like gain power and wealth through this um the professor himself was led to it kind of by like the insane ravings that are going on in his head yeah the doctor is the one who's like really actively trying to like use ancient horrible powers to gain like for his own benefit and Margot was basically there because she's living with lady dunwith right now and she made her show up um and then yeah the detective stumbled upon it because he was trying to arrest them so that is our cast of characters. Nice. I'm really enjoying this. We really should do like a radio drama. Anyways, neither of us has time for that. <laughs> so um, this will be my society current. This is a continuation from um, Rebecca, the woman in white. So after the collapse of our world, there were those who stayed behind in areas hidden from the crazed ones they took on their foolish belief that if they ignored the collapsing world around them, they could shut out fear. So they continued on living in living within small communities, pretending that life simply moved on. But they are no better than us. The food they eat is dirt, ash, and dying flesh. The w- water they drink is polluted, and the re- and in reality, each of their towns are run down and dirty. They live completely entranced by illusions. They use illusions strengthened by weekly magical chants that are performed as a group. Most don't even know they are strengthening the magical barrier. Their minds are confused by the illusions, so to them, they believe they are sitting in church singing songs of praise. No one is allowed to leave these communities. They make every excuse to keep their people there. They fear that if someone was to leave on their own accord, they would bring the crazed ones back to the towns. They have enchanted their towns to take on a specific look of the days of old. There are those officials in the local governments who know the truth, but the state of this world is hidden from everyone else. The government believes by committing to a religion and repeating their magical chants, they can protect their people from harm. It works for most. Uh, it works for the most part. The towns are without fear, so the crazed ones are oblivious to their existence. But eventually, there are those who grow up and become immune to the illusions. The the facade that has been created slowly begins to fade, and those people begin to see the world as it truly is. It usually starts with recognizing the chants as what they are, which are magical incantations rather than religious songs to a god. Seeing this world as it is leads to fear. If the officials of that town find out that fear exists inside of a person, they throw them out. There they fend for themselves in the wilds. The officials would rather live a lie than prepare their people for the real world. Rather than raising those to control their fear and survive, they pretend the darkness causing the fear doesn't exist. 
This leaves the town and its people vulnerable. If the truth was ever revealed by either a slip-up or a curious person, then the illusion would break and the crazed ones would devour that place. But instead, they temporarily protect their people and throw those who can't protect themselves out to the wolves. That's where my people and I come in. We have been surviving out here for so long, so we know how to survive and how to teach others to survive. We send scouts who stay close to the towns and wait for those who are kicked out or signs that someone is realizing the truth. We clothe ourselves in white so we are easy to spot amongst the dying world. As they come to find us, we give them the option give them one option. Come with us and learn to survive or be killed. Most choose the former. Though sadly, if they cannot control their emotions quick enough, we have to leave them behind. But we do give them the tools to survive. If they can survive and grow, they are always welcome to come back to us. We live as nomads traveling from place to place. We carry along with us simple tools that we have scavenged in order to create and tear down shelter as we travel. We also have tools in order to hunt, but food sources are scarce. Every morning, we meditate in order to flush out whatever negative feelings that live in us. Doing this ensures that the crazed ones will continue to be blind to us. Surviving is tough. We do so so that one day, oh my gosh. But we do so one day at a time. And that's the end of that section. And on to you, my dear friend. All right. So this is kind of my most geographic section. Okay. As it describes the the setting of of this radio drama, um, which is the city of ancient horrors. Yeah. So the city of ancient horrors is like when our main cast lands there, it would seem to be underground and surrounded by like a uh, tepid and like brackish lake or uh, ocean surrounding most of the oh, city. Man, you haven't brought up brackish um, lakes city, in a while. You know, it's hurtful, right? It's hurtful when you say that. You have a snake fetish, I have a brackish water fetish. I like slightly warm, salty water, all right? It's my favorite. That kind of sounded like I was referring to something else. Anyways. I'm going to leave that up to everyone's imagination. Oh, please do. What brackish liquid I could be referring to. It's definitely salt water in I'm the ocean. I'm going to start calling it... Brackish liquid, Jordan. Oh, gosh, dude. Why did I open the hell gates? Jeez. Great. Graham, you want to talk about brackish liquid? Okay, you continue. It's funny because he's a baby and he can't understand a single word that I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, um, so it is lit by what I would describe as corpse lights. So it is lit all the time, but only in like a pale greenish hue. It almost seems bioluminescent, but you can never really track down the source. So like the dangler this on the end of an English fish. Enough. Yeah, kind of. Um, as far as the city itself goes, it's massive. So a large stone city that looks like it was carved from one contiguous piece of rock. It has large soaring spires and deep caverns. Um, and being there as a human... It's clear it was not made for people. The steps are all too large or too small. The doorways are either much too big like for someone to walk through or they're way too small uh -huh. and you have to like crawl through the areas. So it's clear that whoever used to live in this city was not human. Okay. Um, even like you could see like impressions of like handles on doors and like domiciles in this city and none of them are suitable 
for human living. Okay. So it's no one can ever be comfortable in this place. Oh. Yeah, Graham, do you like that story too? I know, buddy. It's a good story. Keep slurping there, bud. Um, sorry, I'm trying to read my notes. Well, I have a baby on me. Oh, okay. So then the other thing is the city itself is very ornate. So most every surface that is flat has been carved and etched with like pictographs. Um, one of the essential reasons why both the doctor and the professor um, need to be around and why they're not abandoned because they kind of have nefarious goals is because they're really the only people that can read and understand these okay. ruins. Um, so there's not like an alphabet, so to speak. It's all like um, pictographs. So it takes a lot of interpreting to understand what any of these things mean. Um, when they first arrive in the city, it's assumed that it is abandoned. Um, so for the most part, it looks like a ghost town, right? There's nothing there. But as they explore further and further, they find like deep sealed catacombs and caves. They find like natural bodies of water underneath. And occasionally they find hints that there might be things living in those areas. Uh-huh. So, you know, they might camp for a night and then wake up and find footprints. Um, or, you know, be exploring a certain ruin and then hear like a door slam. Okay. Um, so, although it looks like they're alone, they always kind of have this like creeping feeling that they're probably not. Okay. Um, Okay, so I actually have a real quick question for you. How many sections do you have left? I have two. You have two yeah. sections left? Okay, cool. No, that's fine. That just means that part of this is going to get its own section, All which right, is fine. That's fine. Um, so then, uh, the city, though, although it is like grand and ornate, a lot of it is in ruins. So um, parts of the city are collapsed and falling in on themselves. A lot of it is now underwater. So, like, the lower levels are completely submerged in this, like, gross water. And they can be explored, but it's dangerous because you have to swim underwater and you might get stuck. So this is kind of the backdrop that all of the stories of uh, the city of the ancient horrors is going to take place in. Okay, cool. Oh, is that is that your is that the end of that? That's that's your okay. Yeah. That's... And then next is going to be what could roughly be called flora and fauna will be my last section. So okay, yeah, I have two sections left. So um, questions, questions, questions. No, I actually, I pretty self-explanatory. It's a pretty eerie... You said horror worlds don't exist. This is a horror world. Well, my point is, though, it's not a whole world. It's not like a group. Okay, yeah. See, yeah. I. It's a horror it's, city. Yeah. Okay. It's a horror... See, and that's what part of the trouble of coming up with this was trying to create a whole world of horrors without making your world from, I think, the episode of... um. Whereas humans were not the top of the food chain, where you had like the eldritch monsters. Are you saying that all my worlds are horrible? No, I was saying you literally did a horror world with eldritch <laughs> monsters, and it was hard not to make a whole world that wasn't that. Oh, look at him, Jan. He's so cute. <laughs> oh, I hate you, Cody. I wish you'd just stay asleep. Yeah, right? Hey, man. I know. It's hard being awake. You would, you would think that like tiredness would just finally knock him out. Uh, he might be getting hungry, too. Didn't he just eat? Yeah, they eat every oh, hour to three shoot. hours. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will try to go a little bit... Well, I'll go as quickly as possible, which is not, qu- oh, no, which no, is not quick at all. You're, you're good. Okay, so here's my story section. And then after this, I will 
after you do yours, you'll be able to guess. Oh, wait. Do you want me to tell you what Oh, no. After is, after this, you can tell me, because the society history is the... Um, we're the, uh, the big reveal, uh, but I think I think you know what it is. It's I've made it pretty obvious, but okay. Um, this story comes from, well, this is a continuation from the story from the beginning from Travis, Travis Ashton. She was right. They were never going to help me. I went to the doctor and told him my problems. He then went to the priest who told me to pray and that everything would be okay. The next morning, Sheriff Taylor came to my front door. He told me to come with him quietly and not to make a scene. I listened, of course, not wanting to make things worse than they already were. He led me to the edge of town where the priest, the governor, and a few other officials waited for me. They told me I was to leave and to run far away from here and never come back. If I ever dared to return, they would shoot me on sight. They gave me a bag of food and some other tools that would help me to survive, but we all knew that I was doomed no matter what they gave me. When I left, I was able to find the woman in white, Rebecca, again. <clears throat> she took me in and told me if I was to survive out here, I would need to control my fear rather than let it build. But I found that was impossible to do. The world around me was too harsh, and the feeling that I was being watched never left me. I saw them all the time, the crazed ones, but it seemed like, like Rebecca and her comrades' presence kept them away from me. Knowing that at any moment I would be ripped apart by the monsters didn't help me swallow my fear. So they too gave me tools to survive and left me to fend for myself. I went my own way, walking, never stopping. That's when I felt it, a pressure deep within my soul. It pulled me in. As I followed this feeling, the world around me grew darker and the fear grew ever stronger. The crazed ones saw me, but they did not approach. I continued to follow the feeling of dread, my brain filled with the with dark thoughts, the thoughts grew so loud that I became numb to the world around me. My body felt weak, and my head felt like it was going to explode, but I finally made it to my destination. The pit. It drew me here, made it so that no matter which direction I pointed my feet, I would always end up here. The darkness below called out to me in a deep voice that reverberated inside of me. Welcome, my child. You have nowhere else to go but down. Join me here at the bottom, but be not afraid. It will not hurt. I will make sure that you never feel again. As I journeyed down to nothingness, I feel my body growing cold, but there was nothing I could do to save myself, for the darkness had already gripped me. I know now that it was this presence at the bottom of the hole that made the world this way. There is no escaping before it devours everything. Those on the surface only delay the inevitable. This is the end for me. And if you are reading this, it will soon be, soon be the end for you. And that is my story. So should I guess now? Um, yeah, I mean, you could either read yours and then guess right before I tell, or you could guess now. Okay, no, okay, I want to guess, guess now, because I want to gauge your response and yeah, see sure. if I'm right. Yeah. Well, no, actually, you don't have okay. to tell me. Okay, so I think, tentatively speaking, right now, I think it is the world where uh, humans were the product, and they were getting... Oh, <laughs> wow, you are way off. Oh no, am I not right? No. Oh lame. No, it's totally that world. You're wrong. No, you that, is, that is extremely off. I thought I made it super obvious, but apparently I did not. Uh, okay, so you ready for yeah. my uh, my last section here? Yep. So this section is called episodic. So this world and this pocket dimension is episodic by okay. nature. Um, both in architecture, so there are like discrete areas of the city that seem to lock 
unique creatures or events inside of them. Um, but then also in a rotating cast of people and creatures that end up in this city. So as far as other people go, it's not uncommon for our main cast to meet other people. And they are all people from our world, or at least our plane of existence, presumably. But they're all from different times and places. So, in one episode, they might meet someone from, like, ancient Egypt. And in the next episode, they might meet someone from the far Ooh, future. The distant future. So, the year 2000. It's often... Th- I said the huh? distant future, the year 3000, or whatever from the humans are dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... It's it's definitely got, like, I kind of imagine this at, like, radio drama time. So they'd meet, like, a future rocket man, yeah. you know, who, like, wears all aluminum foil and has a jetpack. Um, so, yeah, and so then with um, that, those characters are often, like, episodic characters. So they would last one episode. Okay. You have, like, the episode with, you know, the ancient pharaoh, and you have the episode with the man from space, and you have the episode with, like... The weird alien from Planet X, you know, that just, like, randomly gets zapped to this city for unknown reasons. So it feels like this is kind of, like, a dumping ground for a lot of portals. So this is, like, definitely the type of thing where, like, Amelia Earhart would end up in it. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? How it feels like in every sci-fi show, Amelia Earhart, like, teleports into the show for an episode. Yeah. It's yeah, that type off. of thing. But they'll be like, this is the episode with Genghis Khan. Yeah. You know? Where they they just keep, like, filtering in, like, historic figures or, like, interesting kind of pulpy characters I into mean, the city. With to go the on cast of characters and the way that you describe this, this reminds me a lot of the way that Lost in Space was done. The original Lost in Space. Yes. Like, with the crazy yes. doctor, but they, like, put up with him very even that. though that he's, even though he's trying to destroy them the whole time. But, yeah, it's very Lost in Space. Original Lost in Space. So... Then the last three characters that are not really episodic all have titles. There is the prophet, the merchant, and the warrior. So the prophet is often the thing that is like the narrative hook of the show and what motivates them to do things around the city. So the prophet might show up with like a vague warning, like, oh, you need to get this like special amulet or the ancient Shoggoth's going to come up from the deeps and eat you in your sleep. Um, or like the city is going to devour you unless you do this thing, like stop the rise of the mutant fishmen from the ocean beneath you by closing this gate. You know what I mean? So he's kind of like a a harbinger of doom and a warning force that keeps them moving forward. Um, the merchant is like a, uh, he's mercurial and the only person that seems to at will be able to move around and in and out of this city for profit so oftentimes with him there he is how they stay alive so he can sell them food or weapons or items that they need to live in this city but demands like odd and obscure and arcane things so sometimes again that might be like oh we're almost out of food we need to gather another like you know eldritch tome from a deep cave for him but that's super dangerous so that's you know one of the episodes in the radio drama But also sometimes he wants payment in things that are like weird and confusing, like locks of hair or memories or breath. (laughs) Um, So it's unclear if he's like a good guy, 
but he is a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who can help them, but it always comes at a price. And the last character is the warrior. And the warrior is the most mysterious. He is um, a man from the future that seems to kind of be able to move in and out of the city and in and out of time at will. And he already knows them all. Which is to say he knows them from the future. So when he pops up, it seems like it's not always that he's decided I want to be here right now. It is... I was sent here right now and he has to gauge where they are in their relationship and who knows what and when. So like, he'll be like the type of character that shows up and meets a character and starts crying and you don't know why. Like, why is he upset when he sees this huh. person or when he sees this interesting, thing? Interesting. Um, because he like knows all of their destinies and isn't supposed to say anything about it. So he's really tight lipped, but is like, you know, again, uh, I, Thought I told you to create a horror world, not a world of whimsy. Well, yeah, but they're fighting scary monsters. Let me get to my (laughs) last section. Creatures. So, the city is dead and abandoned by whatever originally made it, but there are still remnants of that society left. Like, the main eldritch beings that used to live there are um, in some kind of deep sleep or dead. Um... But all of their, like, subordinates are still around. So as they're questing around the city and finding things and trying to stay alive, you know, they might open up a open up a gate and then all of a sudden a bunch of, like, horrible swamp monsters come <laughs> pouring out of it. Or, alternatively, randomly, like, aliens might show up in the city. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like a dumping ground for anything lost. And then also, like, there's the occasional, like, uh, giants that live in, like, deep, dark parts of the city that, like, clearly are scaled for the city, but seem to kind of be slumbering, you know? So they find horrible creatures that attack them and stalk them, and that's a lot of what would also motivate, like, these little... It's like a creature of the week thing, you know? Where it'd be like, oh, we need to stop the swamp things this week, and then the next week it's like, we need to stop the giant swamp thing, and the next time it's like, we need to stop the bug thing, you know? You've seen Creature of the Week things. I used to love Creature of the Week things. Um, yeah, so this is this is like a creature of the week thing where these like mismatched cast of characters tries to survive in this nightmare city with this like specific group of people it's around. Very Scooby Doo, but actual horror. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to Derivative. be kind of Scooby Doo. It's supposed to be kind of Scooby Doo. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to know why one spoiler for like how I envision this in yeah, my head? Sure, go. This is this is this would be like a late season like season five spoiler spoiler. So the warrior is like this like future guy that has like advanced weapons and is like all like tough and like you know like broody and terrifying and he's like he's the one that intimidates everybody and is like unstoppable, yeah. you know what I mean? He's like the super cool guy. He's definitely Bruce from the future. Uh that's like awesome. The the dorky freshman that shows up there and spends like twenty years living in this city, he he's like eventually starts shifting through time and space as the warrior. <laughs> That'd be like the end it's game very... reveal is that like there's like some birthmark that Bruce has, and then you see it on the warrior, and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, the warrior's that's, Bruce. That's awesome. Seriously, write this. We could perform this. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm gonna cast you as Bruce. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily want to be Bruce, but that'd be fun. But seriously, write this. We can perform this. Well, then you would get to also be the awesome warrior character. Yeah, no, we we told like seriously, write this write it down 
Graham, you can play the doctor. You're going to be super evil. Alright, I'm ready to um, do my big reveal and finish finish out right, the episode. Finish off, so, this is Society History. This comes from Damon Shan, an acolyte to Lexi, the Arakanan occult leader from the worlds of Arakanan and Otrell, magic and science. This is during the collapse of the world. Uh, you didn't get it with the magical chance that, okay, you know, okay, make okay. everything everything all right oh yeah geez no i forgot i thought that the monsters out there that were grabbing people were like the people coming oh, to you know yeah, like no, people no, no. or whatever but yeah the crazed ones um okay so and this comes like this is pretty much directly after those worlds ended so alexi told us that what we were doing was good that we were summoning god to punish those who we deemed unworthy but the being we summoned was not god but a being of pure darkness this being was from another realm, waiting for the day where we would, where he would be summoned to our world. He did indeed punish those who we deemed unworthy, but he went further than we could ever have expected. He destroyed Otrell, reducing it and everyone to ash. On our side of Arakana, he blotted out our sun and destroyed the great cities that have been built up. He corrupted Alexei and his other followers, turning them into crazed beasts who hunt people based on their fear. Those in Arakana, not associated with the occult, grouped together and fled, no matter what background, magic or not. The dark being destroyed the world, Elevator, making the, that wretched pit his home for the rest of eternity. He slowly feeds off the negative emotions of this world and draws anyone who cannot control their fear to his pit. There he guides them down the deep hole where their souls are absorbed into his darkness. The crazed ones act to hunt the fear, but by hunting those fearful, the fear only grows stronger, feeding the dark being. I can only hope that one day someone will come and reverse what we have done to our world. But as I feel myself starting to turn and my lust for blood growing stronger, that hope leaves me. So, that is the end of my world. Um, Just quick ex- explanation i kind of you know did this at the beginning but this is a continuation to what happened at the end of my magic and science world the occult the occult in that world was beginning to try and summon god in order to punish the non-magic users that they believe were destroying their world but instead of summoning god they ended up summoning an otherworldly dark being who feeds off of destruction so that is what made so that is what made this world what it is today and because there are those who have found ways to avoid fear. He has not completely destroyed the world, but there is yet no way to reverse what was done to this world. And that's it. Yeah, I just like as I wrote this, I'm like I really kind of want to tie this into something I've already done. And like, because I've done <laughs> I mean, that, that before sense. with the Space Odyssey world, I kind of loosely tied that into um, Episode Three world, making them in the same universe. Yeah, but so so yeah, I've done that right. before. I'm like I kind of as we do this. That's, you know, I guess it's quote unquote human nature to make a multiverse, and that's here and there. I do like to kind of tie them in together. No, we will never have one where you're flying past and you see two dead dragons. Are like, what the hell? And they keep flying. But no, just I like <laughs> I like the idea of having having they did. what happened at the end of that world lead to something. It's like, oh yeah, we want to summon God, so what happens when they try to use their magic to summon God? Oh, they bring in the devil, basically. That makes sense. I like it. I think it was a good end to your other <laughs> yeah, world, the, you know what I mean? 
This is a good. Yeah, so up. technically, I did what our last world together was was create a world from beginning to end. I basically did that with this. It was oh, yeah. Two episodes, yeah, but I got that's there. That's true. But anyways, yeah, I really enjoyed doing this episode. I've I've missed you, buddy. I've missed you. I know, right? I've missed I've missed people too, and it, like you know, it's been nice because like Zach and Caitlin are around, so I've seen them. Yeah, but stuff, you don't but see. Yeah, I enjoy doing the podcast. You don't so see your nice weird black friend who makes convoluted weird worlds. <sighs> Jordan, you're my friend. That's black. You're not my black friend. I'm not just. Friends I'm with pretty you sure that's the only reason we do this podcast. Affirmative action. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do. I have to do one. <laughs> you have. You have to do one, and I'm the only like one who wanted to do one with you. That that's. Sounds like a category in a point. Interracial podcast? <laughs> okay, Ooh. so I am rolling for the next roll. Yeah, oh, wait, why am I screw rolling? you. I You're not taking my yeah, power from me. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> We're doing yet another horror world. It's right the nightmare world of your co-host and why. Number 13. <laughs> so, yeah, whales and under the sea. Under the yeah, there's gonna be no cute crabs. It's gonna be all sea. whales and snakes. Darling, it's better down where it's a nightmare. Take it from me. But yeah, no, I'm basically gonna have to make a. Uh, we can't sing that. We're gonna get copyright uh, infringement. You change the lyrics. It's a parody. Hashtag parody. Okay. Anyways, we're going to get sued. So this might be the last episode of World Shop. <laughs> okay. Well, right. anyways, um, you can actually for real this time. Check me out as something, I guess, zero zero at Twitch, where I do some occasional art streams. And for the whole month of October, which hopefully this episode will come out in time for, I'm going to be doing horror streams where I'm going to do a playthrough of Hellblade, Suena's Sacrifice. And then if I beat that early because it's only an eight-hour game, I will probably move on to Outlast. So, yeah, going to be doing some, Ooh, doing some streaming games. And some art streams. So you can check me out at some, I guess, zero zero. And where can we check Cody out? The Wandering Gamer Network. Yeah. Yeah. Wish, you know, I was on that network too. That'd be cool. (laughs) 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 It's going to be ongoing. Anyways, thanks y'all for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. And Graham says bye too. Well, he fusses and cries. Graham, one good cry to the microphone for the fans at home.